fans and welcome to another episode of the list my name is brett jordan is on the ir today recovering from his cruise caught caught a bit of a bug so his voice is a little shot so zach is on the other end of the tin cannon string today like he was last week uh zach how you doing today i uh, just defeated. defeated defeated yeah no understand uh sorry for everybody i'm a little more chipper than most Dolphin fans will be because Michigan just won a national title, but we will get past that. I will not brag. I'm a little disappointed that for the second week in a row, I can't dunk on Zach like I want to because of the disappointing Dolphins performance, but we will move past that. So as everybody knows by now, Dolphins disappointing 21-14 loss to the Bills, cough the division away. So we are now a wild card team. We are going to Kansas City in a blizzard, it looks like. Negative 19 degree temperature, I believe I saw. And to make it worse, the game is going to be on Peacock. Now, Zach, to to take the optimistic point of view, because anybody who knows me knows I am a glass half full guy. We are in the playoffs. We are playing again. How we got there sucks. How the end of the game, how the game came to an end sucks. Losing to Buffalo sucks, but anything can happen now. We are here for another week, at least, hopefully longer. We will get to that game later in the week, hopefully with Jordan as well. But does any of that make you feel any better, Zach, or do anything to get you a little optimistic for this weekend? Uh, it's going to be the coldest game in franchise history, so no. No, it doesn't. Okay. And again, just to go back to the game, Dolphins did lead. Uh, we are basically the walking wounded now. We lost Cam Gooden, Andrew Van Ginkle, Van Ginkle, excuse me. And we now have the all-pro pass rushers of 2016 today signing Bruce Irvin and Justin Houston. Melvin Ingram will likely be elevated as well. And we brought Malik Reed back to the practice squad. Um, like I said, Zach, 2016. I'd be excited. Houston had an okay year last year with nine sacks. Engram looked like he got some pressure on Josh Allen. So it's it's not the greatest, but it's late in the season when you had to make a big t- a desperation signing. It's not the worst thing you can ask for either. Yeah, you love having uh, people start your uh, first playoff game in a couple of years that weren't on the team for the game before. Can someone please give Zach a hug? Zach, get your wife, get your roommate, get your dog. Give them a big hug. You need one. Mr. S, I know you're listening. Send Zach some gifts to his DMs so he can get so he can get excited. He is so downtrodden, but it's going to be okay. We may not win, but we are playing playoff football, and we got to get ready for that. Now, I was actually impressed with how the defense played, all things considered. We're on the field for over 30 minutes in the second half. Did get a great 
fourth down stop to give us a chance to win. Unfortunately, we now have to deal with the narrative. And I hate to say it, but it is a narrative right now until we change it. That Tua and McDaniel are not clutch. Now, I don't know what you saw, Zach, but I've watched that last play a couple times. And I've basically just come to the conclusion it was bad all around. Claypool ran a lazy route. We were excited about the signing, or optimistic, I should say. I was optimistic. I think Jordan was super excited about getting Claypool. But uh, he did not do a good route. Tua made a pre-snap read, and what we've seen all year is when is there is when Tua has some bad interceptions, it's based off of a pre-snap read, and he doesn't he doesn't come off of it. And that's what happened. The, the, the play wasn't there. The play call shouldn't have been called. Or at least it shouldn't have been called to Claypool. Just bad all around. You got to live to fight another day. I mean, uh, sometimes, you know, a non-play is the best play. Only second yep. down, right? I mean, damn. It is. It was only second down. Um, I do not agree. I saw a lot of people saying, oh, if he would have done this, would have done that. Someone else would have been open. Again, we watch it. It was 100% a pre-snap read. And looking at the other routes, no one else was really running to get open, I think. And even listening to McDaniel at the end of the game, Buffalo changed their coverage. Said the safety was in a different spot than they expected. So, good adjustment by Buffalo. Poor on Miami's side. And it comes down to what something I did want to talk about. People talking about, I don't know where McDaniel now is supposedly on the hot seat by some. I don't think it is. I think at the end of the day, you look at all the injuries we have. It's an issue. We are missing so many starters on defense. We're missing two starters on the offensive line. Would be three, or has been three most of the year. Missing, we missed our starting wide receiver. Missed our best running back. Even though HN had a great game, we are we were missing Mostert. And we just, at the end of the day, we talked about this at the beginning of the year. We do not have a reliable tight end. Durham Smythe did fine in blocking, as did Julian Hill for an undrafted rookie. And we did start to scheme plays to Durham Smythe as this season went on. But he's not going to sit there and get and sit there and just sit in an open spot in an open zone and get a first down. He's not going to beat someone. You have to scheme it. So it's not going to be pretty. So we are missing that tight end. I do think we do need to get away from so many plays that are decided pre-snap because the defense has changed. And that's why so many of these interceptions by Tua are ugly. And to go with it, I see so many people bailing on Tua. We are not a playoff team without Tua. Let's make that clear. Not even close. Yep, correct. Tua had a great... Now, we can talk about this. The second half of the year for Tua was not as good as the first half. He was, I think I saw... His touchdowns were 20, and, 20 touchdowns, 8 interceptions the first half, half of the year. 9 touchdowns, 8 in or, or some some weird like that. He only had 9 touchdowns the second half, more interceptions. Um, so it was ugly, like the second half of the year. Now, again, injuries to the offensive line, to skills players throughout the season played a part. We also have seen that... People we thought would step up to be that third guy didn't. We had a couple weeks where Cedric Wilson looked like that number three guy. But we also saw he cannot consistently get open, and he could not make the tough catches. We thought Braxton Berrios would be that guy. 
we barely looked his way. River Craycraft, we didn't use him at all. Easy E, also out all year, practically with a neck injury. So what looked like a strength on paper just wasn't there at the end of the year. And it limits your offense. And of course, I don't think Tyreek Hill is nearly healthy enough to be be playing. He still is dangerous, but he just doesn't have the explosiveness he did pre-Titans game. Yeah, I haven't really noticed that too much other than just the injury, obviously. It's just um, trying to stay healthy uh, has not been our uh, strong suit this year. Just can't happen. Nope. Can we can't nope. have nice things. Nope. Uh, Pro Football Focus, I believe, had a chart that showed we were the team affected most by injuries in terms of war, which is wins above replacement. Now, for those who don't know it, I'm going to explain it the best I can, but Zach is a baseball guy, so he may be able to explain it better. But my understanding is what war means is when a player is out of the game, the replacement is significantly worse than them and contributes less towards a win. And if you look at it that way, while I don't think our depth is horrible, you're just seeing we don't have the difference makers as you get farther down the depth chart, which is normal, but you're not supposed to be starting both backup safeties in a December play a December football game like we did. You're not supposed to have four backup offensive linemen like we we did in December. So you're not supposed to be missing both your starting outside linebackers that are imperative to your defense. So I just don't think people realize how injured we are. But we're going to take the discussion to Tua. Again, people are jumping off the Tua bandwagon. Someone like David Fisher, who very good follow on Dolphin Twitter with his AI stuff, saying he's done making excuses for Tua. There should be no excuses for Tua at this point. But, and this isn't going to be an excuse. We need to accept that there are things Tua does need to work on. His natural and first instinct is to be super aggressive. And Mike McDaniel does that as well. Now, what happens when we do that is we forget that you can't just get everything back in one play. You need to do sometimes dink and dunks, nickel and diming, paper cutting, whatever you want to call it. We didn't have a middle passing game. Some of that was personnel. Some of that was play calling. I think Tua and McDaniel do need to reel themselves in a bit next year. But to say Tua doesn't elevate people is also not fair at all either. Defenses adjust. Offenses need to adjust too. In some ways we didn't. In some ways we couldn't just because of the injuries. Zach, where do you stand on the whole Tua debate right now? Uh, Tua's our guy uh, till the day I die. No, it's just um, some unfair criticism coming his way. Um, but then there's also some unbiased, just blind uh, backing to where he can do no wrong, and that's also uh, not true either. So I'm somewhere in the yes. middle on the, on, the, on the great Tua debate. Yep, there's a middle ground. The guy literally has the passing crown this year. Crazy. He was one touchdown away from being the first Dolphin player to throw 30 touchdowns since Marino. I mean, he threw them. It's just we got to catch them. We about do. That. 
that's another thing, and it's out there. Our old friend Larry was talking about before the podcast, pointing out that against the Raiders earlier this year, it looked like Tyreek Hill hurt his hurt his wrist, and they talked about it on Hard Knocks back when the season debuted, and he was talking about his hand. I think that clearly affected him because Tyreek had some very uncharacteristic drops. For the inter- he dropped a couple against Buffalo, including one that looked like it would have been a touchdown drive, where Tua had the game-ending interception. Do we have to deal with saying that our team is not clutch? Yes, unfortunately, that is something we have to deal with. But this is not something we've dealt with in the past. We have never been in a situation to say we weren't clutch because we weren't in a situation to win a division. This is the first. This was our first chance to win a division realistically since 2008. No, we had a chance we were, last year, buddy. We did, but it it fell once Tua got hurt. Well, yeah. But at the end of the at the end of the year, we needed to win to get in with Skylar Thompson. We were already in two weeks ago, so we were just playing for seeding and for a division. So it does hurt. It does hurt to lose to the Bills, especially because the narrative is that the Bills made all the plays they needed to. It's not quite what I saw on Sunday. I saw some lucky breaks. I saw Dolphins not making plays. And again, a lot of it comes down to injuries. A lot of it just comes down to a team still learning to win. But to hear so many people say stuff like Mike McDaniel is Adam Gase and Tua Tungavaloa is Ryan Tannehill. Um, I don't think Mike McDaniel does cocaine, nor do I think Tua Tungavailoa is a white male. Yep. Throws right th- it is the emotional overreaction to losing to a division rival and it feeling like the team choked it away. Again, Tua does have to get off those pre-snap rates. Some of the ugliest interceptions this year. And in a couple weeks, month, whenever, Zach, we will go on and do video, pull up some of the games with two right interceptions, and we'll be able to show it. That he's locking on pre-snap, and defenses are adjusting to it. That that has to change. I also believe, and I've said it in our Discord for the last couple days, to the point that I am a broken record. Getting a tight end, whether free agency or the draft, preferably the draft, will alleviate a lot of the issues the offense has. You're just missing that strong physical receiving presence that will take up the middle of the field. I know a lot of people are going to say, go get Brock Bowers. We're not going to be able to move up to get Bowers. But Dratavion Sanders from Texas, Cade Stover from Ohio State. Theo Johnson from Penn State. Uh, there's a kid from Colorado State. I believe his name's Dalen Hooker, Dalen Holler, something like that. I forget it off the top of my head. But he's another guy. A.J. Barner from Michigan. Didn't do much as a receiver this year for Michigan, but believe won the Mackey Award or was a finalist for the Mackey Award while he was at Indiana for his receiving prowess. There will be targets there. Hey, Brett, uh, maybe for our listeners, could you explain what the Mackey Award is? Because some of the listeners might might not know. Fair enough. The Mackey Award is for the best tight end in college football. Oh, it's me. I'm listeners. I figured. I figured as soon as you said that. So, 
But it's is the tight end group this year in the draft have the high end talent overall that last year did? Bowers is better than anybody in last year. Unfortunately, we're going to have no shot at him. So the question becomes, are people like Dratavian Sanders and Cade Stover on the same level as Sam Laporta's, Luke Musgraves, Tucker Crafts, the Darnell Washingtons, or Luke Schoomaker's Brendan Strange's? And we can add more to it. And that's something that as this playoffs end, as we get into the draft season, we will look into, because I absolutely think we need to get a tight end. Um, it's subjective. Some people will say it's a weak tight end draft. I think for what we want to do, this tight end class is very, very favorable to our system. And it is something to look into. I also think there are going to be wide receivers, because this is an insanely deep receiver draft, that even with Waddle and Hill, I would look at wide receiver early as well. Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, I don't think you can. I think you have to just go free agent market with a wide receiver group. I don't think you can invest high capital to it. I mean, we got to have corn-fed, fat O-linemen up front blocking. That's what we need. Uh, we're not going to be able to afford Wilkins. we got to replace the D-line. We need corn-fed both sides of the ball. Yep. It, is a good D- it is a good draft for both for the uh, trenches as well. Um, I know a lot of people like the Washington left tackle. Uh, I think his name is Troy Faitanu played last night was actually very dominant he projects as a left guard i think in the nfl probably played himself out of where we were going to be drafting even if we don't win a playoff game but there are other people namely graham barton from duke who will likely be there so we will get our chances and of course we can always resign robert hunt that is my number one key but again enough talking about what about the back yeah, get the fuck off the draft we have a playoff game coming up Exactly, and we will preview that later. But I'm just talking about stuff that would help the offense. We are still in the playoffs. As bad as the last two weeks were, this isn't baseball, this isn't basketball, this isn't hockey. It's not a playoff series. It's sudden death. Kansas City has looked pretty bad this whole year. Well, not whole year, last couple months. I would argue that we were the better team in Germany. Yes, going into Arrowhead is going to be tough. But we got the running game to match with them. I think the offensive line is getting to the point where they'll be able to keep us in game. We just got to keep running. And I will keep telling this to everybody. All that matters is getting in to the dance because then you don't know what happens. It just sucks that we are missing so many pieces on the defensive side of the ball. But getting Waddle back and getting Mostert back I think does make a difference. I think Tua and McDaniel figure it out. And just a little spoiler for when we do go into the game later this week, I actually think we are going to pull off the upset. I'm just kind of pissed that it's 8 o'clock on a Saturday night on Peacock. Can we just rant about that a little, Zach? What's a Peacock? It is a shitty app through NBC Universal. I see. Okay. Well. Yep. So the game's not. If you have YouTube TV, the game's not even going to be on that. If you have the NFL ticket, it's not going to be on that either. You have to get Peacock. Or you have to get it another way. There is that as well. A quick disclaimer: members of the list podcast do not condone illegal streams, but you do what you got to do. 
Hey, I wasn't even going to say the words. Um, coming up against this this Kansas City Chiefs matchup, did you realize that the Dolphins are the number one total offense, including the number one passing offense in the league? I do. I do. First, uh, as you said, 201 to passing title. I believe it's the first time since 1995 a Miami Dolphin player has led the league in passing. They also are number two in sacks allowed. They've given up 28. The Dolphins have given up 28 sacks. No, 31 for us. Oh. That's a little surprising. Um, I know we only gave up one sack last uh, against Buffalo, and ironically, it wasn't to Tua. We did a QB pass with uh, H-hand that he held the ball on too long. QB pass, or halfback pass. So. But we'll get more into that game later in the week. It's going to be fun. And I will keep saying this to everybody. Be frustrated. Be angry by the loss. But enjoy the fact we're in the playoffs. This is the first time in almost two decades we've been in the playoffs back-to-back years. It sucks that both years we've gone into the playoffs hobbled. But this is, it's not like it's a yearly occurrence for us to be enjoying January football. It's about to be. It is about to be. We still have to add a couple pieces, but we are on the right track. You're two of the journey. You know, teams beat up right now. It's fine. Uh, obviously, have the most important pieces in line. We are on the upswing. We are. But, Zach, did I mention Michigan also won the national title last night? Yeah, bro. What's the over-under on years until they vacate it? Well, the NCAA cannot vacate wins. That is up to the college football committee. So determine when they decided to do it. Yeah. It's getting vacated, buddy. Well, you know what? Most of our defense are true sophomores, so they're all going to be back next year. And I get to talk trash the whole time. You know who's not going to be back next year? Probably Jim Harbaugh. (laughs) Yeah. And let's talk about that because that is something else to talk about. Yesterday was what is traditionally known as Black Monday. Um, Arthur Smith of the Falcons was fired. I don't think anybody was shocked by that. The Chargers have an opening. Vegas technically has an opening, although I think they are going to keep Antonio Pierce. Washington Commanders have fired Ron Rivera. And to the surprise of a fair amount of people today, Mike Vrabel was fired by the Tennessee Titans, though it had been talked about that he was likely gone. Um, And of course, the Carolina Panthers have an opening, and we are waiting to see if the Patriots open. So... Zach, I'm going to ask you to do this, and I'm putting you on the spot, so I apologize. We're going to take out Vegas for now because I think Antonio Pierce is getting that job, and we're not going to include uh, New England yet because as of right now, they're not open. In terms of – well, you're an agent or you're a a potential head coach, Zach. You're presented these jobs. How would you rank them in order of desirability? You got the Chargers, the Panthers, the Falcons – the Commanders, and the Titans. Uh, Chargers, Titans, uh, Commanders, Falcons, and that's it. You wouldn't even put the, you'd put the Panthers all the way at the bottom? Do they, what, what, why would they deserve any mention whatsoever? Because there's still technically an opening, and as anybody will tell you, there's only 32 head coaching jobs in the NFL, so if you are offered one, no. you can't really, you can't really bank on turning it down. Nobody wants that job. Um, 
Yeah. Well, they did announce that they were interviewing 10 potential GMs as well as 10 potential coaches. And one of them would be Miami Dolphin offensive coordinator, Frank Smith. And I have heard through the grapevine, he is one of the favorites for that job. Yeah, uh, would be terrible uh, if um, we were to lose him. Um, that QB room, that, you know, not just the QB room, but just the offensive staff, they all just seem to really, you know, work on just long-term year-to-year growth. So to see changing and, you know, mixing up things like that, hate to see it. Um, I know it's normal for the NFL, but uh, would really love for uh, him to stay, to be quite honest with you. Would love for him to stay, I think, with uh, Daryl Bevel, Wes Welker, John Embry, Studgeville. We do have replacements available in-house, but you don't like to lo- don't like to lose people uh, when you seem to get things going. Now, since you like to talk shit on Michigan so much, if you're Jim Harbaugh, which of those jobs are you taking? I'm Jimmy John Harbaugh. I'm going, uh, yeah, I got to go to the L.A. Chargers. I mean, he's a West Coast guy. Um, he's got the quarterback, and then, you know, obviously he'll figure everything else out. So I don't see why he wouldn't want to go there. So looking at the openings, I would say, in theory, the Chargers are number one. Well, I don't know. He probably doesn't want to be in the same conference as his brother, though. Or though maybe no. he's at the stage of his career where he does. I don't know. I'll tell you this. he His lifelong dream was to lead Michigan to a national title. He did that. So as far as I'm concerned, he can go anywhere as long as it's not the Jets or the Bills or the Patriots. And I'll be happy for him. Does he go back to Michigan when they vacate the title? uh, They won't do that, but yes, I think he would since his kids are all at school there. But in terms of jobs, I would say the Chargers are number one. Whether No matter what you think of Herbert, he is, I would say, a top-10 quarterback. I think there are some questions with their core because I think a lot of their core is on the older side and also starting to rack up the injuries a bit. So they do need to get some younger pieces. Uh, Quentin Jefferson, uh, was it Quentin Johnston, whatever, the wide receiver they drafted from TCU had a massively disappointing rookie year, uh, especially when you consider Zay Flowers went right after. So they're kicking themselves a bit. But when you have the in-theory franchise quarterback, that's step one. I would actually put Carolina two, but that's just because I really like Bryce Young. Uh, I know this year was awful for him, but and I think the Athletic did a great job of explaining the situation. It was just a mess. Frank Reich, a lot of people thought, deserved a chance. I was unfairly fired from Indianapolis. But when you read everything you hear from people who are close to the team for Carolina, it just was never a good fit. They don't have a first-round pick. They don't have a lot of draft capital. Uh, Terry Federer, their GM, just got fired as well. Did an awful job. A lot of people want to blame Dave Tepper, the owner, which is understandable. He is very emotional. He likes to get involved. And that those two things together are not a good combo in the world of sports. That being said, he is a really rich owner who does want to win. So teams will like that. So if you do like Bryce Young, like I do, you bank on a new staff, a new GM, new coach, being able to get people around them and just do better than Frank Reich and his staff did. Because, like I said, Corny Athletic, everybody hated each other and everybody had different ideas of what to do. 
Uh, number three, I would put the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons, well, I think some of their pieces are overrated. You do have Kyle Pitts. You do have Bijan Robinson. You do have Drake London. You do have uh, Al Geyer as another running back. There are pieces there. You need to rebuild the defense. It's something that many people have been saying Atlanta has needed to do for a couple years and they haven't, and you need to get the quarterback. Whether that is trading for Justin Fields or banking on one of these quarterbacks, trying to get Caleb Williams, trying to get Drake May, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, maybe J.J. McCarthy, maybe Jaden Daniels. You get the quarterback right in that division. You are competing for the playoffs almost immediately. Um, I would then put the Titans. They do still have some good pieces. They, again, are in a bit of a rebuild, too. They have some young pieces, especially on defense. They 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 aged out a bit, and I think one of the reasons Rabel's gone, not just because the new GM and him can't get along, is they held on to the core a little bit too long. And this is just another example in the NFL of how windows can be so small. You see how quickly they aged out, and it wasn't that long ago they were in the AFC Championship game with Ryan Tannehill. Um, they think they have their quarterback in Will Levis. I'm not sure about that. I don't know what you think about Will Levis, uh, uh, other than the fact that I fucking hate dis- him. That's what I. That's uh, what I think. I was gonna say it's disgusting that he puts mayo in coffee and he oh, eats God. banana peels. But if you like Will Levis, you just think you need to put pieces around him. And I put the Commanders last. And I do that because they are a full rebuild. They they have some pieces, but they don't have an offensive line. I thought Sam Howell showed some flashes but in the middle of the season, but it all went to shit as the season went on. Got benched twice. And they had the worst defense in the league, and they traded their two best pass rushers. Montez Sweat, who they traded, ended up being their leading, leading sack recipient after getting traded midway through the season. So that just tells you how few pieces they have. Now you don't, you no longer have to deal with Dan Snyder, but with new owners, it does tend to be a learning trip for the first or first or second years. So I think it's going to be a bit of a rough sledding for them as they figure out what they want to do. So that's how I'd rate them. And of course I would actually say if Vegas did move on from Antonio Pierce, I would put them as the, honestly the most attractive job because they have the pieces. They just need a quarterback. Uh, AOC, he had, I don't know how they won with him, especially Kansas City when they beat Kansas City. He had 60 passing yards and they all came in the first quarter. Now talking about all those teams, it does just go to show you how far we have come with as Miami Dolphins since hiring Mike McDaniel as well. It was not that long ago. We did not know what kind of pieces we have. So... Right, let me put you on the spot with a question here that was posed in the old Discord chat. If you were to okay. put yeah, last year's team up against this year's team, who would have the better team last year with all the healthy players that we had in Skylar Thompson or this year the MASH unit we have and Tua Tungavailoa? Thoughts? Very good question. Shout out to KD because uh, one of our best community members, coolest community members as well, um, you can see him on HBO I, uh, Hard Knocks. You can. I saw the question, and my answer is basically, as long as you have Tua, 
the ceiling is going to be a lot higher. But because of all the other injuries, the floor is going to be a lot lower. So the question is, do you want to have the higher ceiling or the higher floor? I would go with the higher ceiling because even with some of Tua's recent struggles, you hope with people like Tyreek and Waddle getting healthy and Mostert getting healthy and HN being healthy and Hunt getting healthy on the offensive line, you hope that that gives you more big playability that you did not have last year with Skylar Thompson and you can pull off an upset or two or three in the playoffs. As much as it sucks to lose the defense, defensive players we've lost especially, and the fact, like I said, we are using the uh, 2016 All-Pro pass rushers in 2024 may make it ugly at times, but you have the big playability on offense that you didn't have last year. So I would take this year's team. I think you have to, obviously. Uh, two was the big bump. It's just uh, I thought it was a fair question to ask. It is a very fair question, and especially because of all the people. Um, term I have coined is all the chicken littles right now. The sky is falling. We suck. We need to get rid of Mike McDaniel. We need to get rid of Tua. We need to trade for Justin Fields. Um, y'all can just pound sand for anybody saying that, any of that stuff. And just accept that this is a team that's still growing. There was improvement from last year. And when you have complex systems like we have, it does take a little longer to get things going. And we can keep talking about what we need to add, what we need to improve on. We still have a game this weekend. We still potentially have a game next weekend. We just The path may be tougher, but we're still playing. We need to get more pumped, Zach. We need to get you more pumped. We need to get the fan base more pumped. I need a double dose of Prozac. Uh, yep, stat. Sign me up for that direct injection. Um, just put it right on me. All right. We will do that. But I always give people the 24 hours to recover after a game. Zach, it's been after. It's been more than 24 hours. It's time. We're on to Kansas City. We will preview that game probably Thursday. Because I don't want to do it tomorrow. But probably Thursday. We will look. We will do a deep dive. We will talk about the matchups. We will talk about what we look. We're looking into. We will once again ask what Cam Smith needs to do to get on the field. But until then, we also have to put people on the list. I didn't really want to put anybody on the list this week just because of no, how we're, we we're lost. Skipping we're skipping okay. it. Okay. The ping pong table is out of the locker room. We're not having fun anymore. We are not having fun anymore. But. I will say this. It's not always going to be fun. It's not always going to be easy. We have had the highest of highs this year and the lowest of lows. But again, we have at least one more game. So we got to get in the mindset. Anything can happen. Anybody can make the run. Nobody was expecting Cincinnati to make the run they made two years ago. I've seen Pittsburgh in the past, get in as the last seed and make runs to the Super Bowl. I've seen other teams do it, too. It's just about being in the dance. And I promise I will get, I will have on Thursday the speech of all speeches to get everybody hyped up. I will have Zach Jackson ready to put a football helmet on and run through a wall for this team. He will be chugging Captain Morgan, ready for Saturday, and he will be ready for that win. Brett's going to come in the locker room like, all right, guys, we need to score some points. 
but at the same time, stop them from scoring points. Do you hear me, men? I am quite the philosopher. And on that note, this is a shorter episode, but I think everything that needs to be said about the game has been said about the game. Disappointing result. It sucks. It hurts. Use that as motivation if you're in the team. As fans, don't give up. If you have given up, well, to coin, the, what the, to coin the phrase from the greatest university in college football, the University of Michigan, just remember, those who stay will be champions. It happened for Michigan, and it will happen for the Miami Dolphins. Make sure to check out listpodcast.com. We have all our podcasts there. Check out some of our articles. Check out Sebastian's picks. Unfortunately, he did get his picks right this week. Check out Mr. S's picks, although I don't know if he'll be doing any. We will pick more games this week, whether it's me and Zach or me and Jordan. And we will get ready for a win. And we are taking it to the Swifties. But I think it is time to end. I think it is time for Zach to go see a nurse so he can get prescribed some Prozac, so he can get some some endorphins and serotonin running through his body and be excited, be happy, get the positive vibes going. But we are going to end this. So for Zach, I'm Brett. We are the list. We hope Jordan's healthy. But for everybody else, remember, we are watching. Zach, hit that music. Music.